Welcome to the teacher's lounge. Now, I know what you're thinking. I like to avoid the teacher's lounge because there's too much gossip and complaining going on. You know what? I agree with you, but this teacher's lounge is different. In this teacher's lounge, I take the time to interview some of my friends and colleagues from all across the country and even the world to talk about teaching, different topics that matter, and how using comprehensible input strategies can work to make all of their students successful. So I hope you enjoy your trip to the teacher's lounge and that you enjoy today's episode. Wow. I just finished the recording of the episode that you're about to listen to, my interview with Esme Mora, the president of the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board, LAB for short, L-L-L-A-B. And I can't wait for you to hear about what this organization is doing, what they are focusing on, what their mission is, um, the rubric that they utilize to review the books and readers that are out there for our language learning students, and how you can start to utilize these resources in their classroom and why it's so important. This is a powerful interview. We know that readers and reading is one of the best ways for students to acquire a language. And so to just take that time, listen to this interview, look at the website, look at the reviews that they've created so far, and take some of the tips that Esme shared in order to improve and make our libraries and the books that we read in class that much better for our students and for our communities at large. So enjoy this interview with Esme Mora, the president of the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board. All right. Hey everyone, I'm super excited to welcome um, Esme Mora, the president of the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board, LAB, as we're going to shorten it to today to make it a little bit easier to discuss. Um, I'm really excited to have her on today to talk to you about what this organization um, does, to share with you a little bit about who she is as a teacher, why this is so important to us as world language teachers, and we'll dive into how you can utilize the resources that they're putting together. So Esme, would you please share a little bit about yourself, your teaching journey, and kind of where you're at today? Yes, thank you so much for having me here today. Uh, so I'm Esme, and I have been teaching Spanish since 2010. So this is my 11th year teaching uh, at primarily Chicago schools, uh, high schools, levels one through four AP, AP literature. And so I've had uh, quite a, a range of levels. Um, also, I've taught at uh, charter schools and private schools and so, I do also have a variety uh, of range there. Um, so my hobbies um, include uh, writing reviews, book reviews at a local Chicago magazine, um, a Spanish magazine. And we typically we're just an uh, independent group that, uh, that we just write, reread books in Spanish and we write reviews. And we post it, and it's um, the that original magazine is called El Basement. Um, so, like the basement, which um, which is not a, a word in Spanish, but we we kind of changed it into El Basement just for the magazine's sake. Um, so that project was a lot of fun, just working with that team. Um, and so that's something that that I had been doing here in Chicago, so teaching, and then. 
reading books on my spare time and, and joining this group of writers and, and writing reviews. And so that's, that's a little combination of what I've been doing. Awesome. Well, and then it seems kind of natural that you would be a part of a group called the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board since you already are interested in kind of reviewing literature that's out there. So can you share with us a little bit more about how the lab came to be? Because I know that um, it is a newer organization and I know that maybe not everyone has heard of it. And because it's newer, we're trying to get the word out because it's super helpful. But if you could share a little bit of the background of how it came to be in existence. Yeah, so we started in the summer of 2020. So in the midst of the pandemic um, and civil unrest, and um, just like probably many people felt, you know, like a sense of urgency to do something, to contribute, um, to make sure that, um, that injustices are being prevented. And, you know, just, just thinking about how to do some good in the world. And so, um, uh, and we had also talked, so I also attend a lot of conferences, um, IFLT and, um, and summer institutes. And so I attend a lot of, uh, of these conferences and, and we talk about um, the different things that we're doing as teachers. And I, I used to say, oh, well, you know, I read and write reviews in Chicago and it's something that I really enjoy. Um, and uh, some authors were saying, well, you know, how come you guys are not reviewing our literature? Uh, and, you know, that, that was a good question. I, I didn't, I didn't really uh, know how to answer that at, at first. So this must have been like 2000, maybe 18. Um, and so I just, I just let um, that idea go for a while. And until uh, last year, 2020, when um, we started to see this explosion on social media about just uh, language learner literature and these readers and all these other topics that we might have not thought about or, or things that we, we just didn't think about on how culture is being displayed um, in the readers. Mm. And so um, at that point, you know, I thought, well, we wanted to do some good. And I have these skills. I've been writing reviews previously. Um, I think it's something that we can, we can definitely do. I started looking at the different uh, people who were commenting on, on readers already on social media. And I started contacting some of them like, hey, like I, I would like to start this um, book review group and um, I want to make sure the focus is on um, equity and, and inclusion. And so we started uh, coming together. Um, we started off with a group of nine the first year. Awesome. And so, uh, you know, we just um, gathered together. We started building our, our constitution. What do we want to be about. Um, we did a very specific um, rubric on what we wanted to look at in, in the literature. And um, everything pretty much just came together. We do have a website. 
uh, and we try to make sure that that we are being equitable. And so we um, use a list, uh, a public list that's already on the internet of all the language learning literature. And we um, put that in a random generator, like online. Um, and so whatever book comes out, then that's the book that the team then, um, we, if we don't have it already, we order it, um, we read it, uh, and then smaller teams meet together to create the first draft of the review. And then we meet together as a whole group to then uh, put together or ask questions or, or make changes before then publishing it on our website. That's incredible. Ooh, some little bit of feedback here. Um, I think it's gone now. Uh, I love technology. Um, so as you were talking, there are two things that I would love for you to maybe expand upon a little bit more. Um, you mentioned that your group has a constitution. Can you share a little bit more about what is included in that or what your focus is in your mission and goal? Yeah, so actually, oh, there we go. So our mission uh, of the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board is to provide well-rounded feedback about classroom library material as it pertains to race, ethnicity, cultures, social class, gender, sexual orientation, gender expression, age, ethnicity, cultures, social class. Uh, oh, I think I reread that first line again. Sorry, it's all important. Yes, uh, age, religion, family structure, neurodiversity, abilities, and experiences. Uh, the board is composed of a group of diverse members that are well advanced in their field and can provide trustworthy information to help dismantle social inequalities and support teachers and authors in developing and curating culturally sustaining reading material. Uh, we are committed to unlearning and welcome feedback and suggestions for honoring and validating everyone's identities, experiences, and realities. That's beautiful. Something that is so needed, um, especially because I feel like, like you said, in the midst of everything last summer in 2020, when like a lot of this just bubbled up to the surface, I think that a lot of people became aware of things that maybe they didn't notice before, especially those of us who are white and have a lot of privilege. Um, and so this rubric that you're talking about that you look at the books on, um, if you're comfortable, is there like, can you give some specific examples of things that are on there, but then maybe also, and you don't have to share the name of any books or anything, although your reviews, I believe are all up on your website, um, of like different, different things that you've seen in the book where maybe it didn't meet the mark on the, on the rubric, like an example of something that was a red flag when you read through it on a review. So the thing is that, um, there are some trends that we're seeing in the readers. And we haven't gone through all the books, but just the books, few books that we have gone through. Um, there, and some of the hashtags that came about before lab, uh, such as own voices, uh, we started to notice that the majority of the authors for these readers um, are not um, authors of color or own voices. And so, um, we're not saying that non-owned voices or uh, non-authors of color that they 
should not be writing. Um, but there are some things that they were noticing. Um, for example, um, at least um, two books that deal with, with birthdays and celebrations um, involve a father in prison. Oh, so both deal with, um, with Mexican um, identities. And in both of those books, we have a person in prison, a father in prison, and a drug, a drug lord. So perpetuating those negative stereotypes. Correct. So um, it looks like, um, and here I'm just assuming, because I want to see the good in everything and everyone, um, that perhaps, you know, sometimes we're trying to make things compelling. Um, and sometimes maybe we feed off you know, um, television, this Hollywood stereotypes. And so in trying to make it compelling, we're perpetuating exactly um, these stereotypes. And then, you know, we, we're subliminally or subconsciously um, labeling people or believing these things about a whole group of people that might not be true. Um, there might be some instances, but that's not how you want to label an entire culture. And if this is the only piece of literature um, that your students are going to see in their classroom, and if they never come across the culture itself, then that's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Well, and someone who, someone who teaches in a medium-sized town, I would say, we're not really a small town, but um, a medium-sized town kind of in Wisconsin, we have some diversity in our community. We have a lot of students um, and families from the Hmong community. We have quite a few Hispanic um, families. We have um, a couple of black families, um, but the majority of my students are like me. They are white. They have um, some of this privilege. They have, you know, a, a, a different experience than um, our students of color have. And so, what you're saying with having this book in front of them, if this is their only exposure or experience they've had with the people in that community, if they haven't visited somewhere or they don't know someone or they don't, you know, they haven't been to an opportunity to be exposed to something other than what they're reading in the classroom, I feel like that's how those internal biases get reconfirmed and like cemented into place. Does that make sense? Yes. And yes. so, and then also, can you speak to kind of um, for my students that may be Hispanic, if they pick this book up, what kind of impact that might have on them? So especially for younger minds, it, you know, it, it almost becomes like their world. Then they, um, they might internalize this identity uh, that was given to them um, and not necessarily who they are. Um, maybe because, you know, they, they want to fit in. And so because this book is cool, then uh, maybe that's what they tend to then focus on. Like, oh, yeah, well, I do have an uncle or I do, um, instead of focusing on the good, um, on the positive things. And so it not only affects the wider community outside of, of the Mexican-American community, but it also affects the Mexican-American community which if they only see those examples, uh, then they might believe that that is true as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
so one other thing, since we talked about kind of the negative side of it, um, looking at maybe some of the books that have done better on the rubrics or have met some of those um, standards that you've put out there that you're really looking for. Can you give some examples of what things are included in those books or ways that things are presented that are positive? Yeah, so we're definitely looking also for, for the language. And so things that, that we're doing is if you go to our website, we are adding all these um, different categories that the readers can go in and write. So I've noticed also that on social media, people are, are asking for books in certain like genres. Um, we're also including that kind of information that it's easily to search. So uh, we do want to see a variety of ethnicities, nationalities being represented. And so we have a category that you can easily look up, um, genders, um, currently, we do have um, a very male-female um, representation within our, our books or the, the majority of the books. Um, we even also look at uh, ages who are being represented in the books, um, social classes, sexual orientation, and the majority of the books are um, heterosexual. Um, abilities as well. So uh, we are seeing um, the use of the word normal a lot. And so, yeah. Um, and so that is something that we as uh, readers and authors want to make sure that we are, I mean, I, I would advise to kind of steer off that because then that means that whoever is not on this spectrum then is not normal. Mm -hmm. No, that's really powerful. That is, that's something that I think even a lot of us teachers, when we're, you know, describing people or telling stories or even outside of the books that we have in our classroom, we need to be aware of kind of the adjectives we use and the connotation that comes with that. Um, I had a friend um, when I did, had my first teaching job in Baltimore that said normal is just a setting on a dryer. Like, <laughs> like that's not even, I mean, when you look at it, just because something is different from what we're used to. That doesn't make it other, that doesn't make it not normal, that doesn't make it weird. And so I think that's super powerful. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that that's something that you're looking for when you're looking at the books. Definitely. Um, we're also looking at religions being represented, family structures, which um, it primarily has been heteroparental, Body types. Body types is something that um, I think in the past has been missed. And that is, for me at least, a big one to look for. Yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because as a plus size teacher and a plus size woman, I've struggled with that personally. Um, you know, my whole life, I've never fit the beauty standards that are just baloney, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but even as a reader myself, I feel like literature, like popular literature in the United States here is just now coming around to be more inclusive for different body types. And when I read books that talk about plus size women as the main character and, um, and bring that up, like it's so empowering to me and it makes me feel so good. And so like having our students have that same experience when they're reading books can have such a great impact on them too. Wow. That's so cool. 
Yeah, so definitely uh, body types, like a variety of body types is something that uh, current readers are missing. And so we definitely encourage those who are interested in writing to add, to, to look into that as well. That's awesome. So as your, as your team kind of moves into this next school year, what are um, some of your goals maybe, or what can people who are looking into the resources and the reviews that you provide kind of expect for the upcoming year? So for the upcoming year, so the first year, it was just um, setting kind of like our, our, our norms on what are we looking into for, for these reviews and also, um, you know, what, how do we want to be as a group? So one of the beautiful things about lab is how um, also diverse and different the team is. Yes, please share more about that. Yes. So we have a variety of, um, of representatives in the group. The majority are uh, language teachers. And we do have a few also uh, language learner literature writers. And so that also makes it, uh, for me, a, a nice compliment because, you know, we want to make sure that we're also being fair to our authors. And, and so having a few members being authors also gives us, provides for us that, that feedback or that insight that we might otherwise miss. Uh, so for this upcoming year, we do have 12 members. And so um, let's see, we start out, we can start out with um, Abelardo Almazan Vasquez. And he, um, is a teacher in, uh, sorry, uh, he comes from Cuernavaca, Mexico, which is um, very near for my hometown as well. And he has also been teaching for about 11 years. And I believe that he teaches in, um, out in Vermont. Uh, what I love about him is that some of his interests are on uh, pronouns. And so he does, um, a ton of uh, research and he also posts a blog about uh, gender pronouns. And so uh, that is something that, that he brings to the table and he's just amazing. Uh, up next, we have a new member, uh, Tania Alvarado, who is um, a world language department chair at, um, in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, she's new to, um, to the board this year. Um, and she is um, passionate also about literature. And one of the things that brought her to the group is that she's also doing this kind of work for the um, world language department at her school, at her district. And so she wanted to join um, also another team that's doing something similar to help support. Um, so help support her department. Uh, we also have Amanda Benavides Williams, and she was one of the directors for Twitter's Lang Chat. And so that's another um, nice kind of thread to look into. Uh, Lang Chat provides a ton of resources on Twitter for world language teachers. And she's also new this year. Um, another new person, uh, Tasha 
uh, Tasha Vuccioni. Uh, she is coming uh, from California and she has done already a ton of work, uh, similar work the lab's already doing. Uh, she also does some, uh, some reviews already uh, in her Twitter page. And so she, this is something that she's passionate about and she wanted to also join the team. Yeah, when, when I saw her name on the list of the, when you announced the new members, when I took a look, I was like, that's a total natural fit because she also, she posts so much on Twitter, the WL World Language Book Audit, right? I know she's been posting a lot over the last year or so on that too. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, then we have Ben Fisher. I love uh, Ben. I'm yeah. actually going to be bringing, so for those of you listening, look forward to my, my next episode that's in the teacher's lounge series. It's going to be actually with Ben um, talking about supporting our LGBTQ students. I love him. So I'm so glad that he's on here. Yeah. So uh, Ben helps us with, well, he's like a multilingual, so he primarily helps us with our German reviews, but also Spanish, French. So he, he definitely uh, gives a ton of support. Uh, we also have Cecile Lane, who is our lab secretary. And Cecile has been teaching um, French. And she's also uh, recently participated in the Asian um, or, workshop um, conference in France. Awesome. We have Kia London, um, also from the Chicagoland area. Um, and Kia this past year, along with um, AC Quintero, uh, started, um, I believe, Afro-Latinidad, the magazine uh, that features um, Afro-Latino uh, curriculum, advice, tips. Um, so uh, please do look into that, that's also amazing. Uh, we also have Nel, uh, Dr. Nelly Osha, and she uh, specializes in uh, Francophone studies. Um, so she does have a PhD in uh, French and Francophone studies. Uh, we have the uh, amazing and talented author Adriana Ramirez um, from Colombia, who resides in Canada. And so she also does a lot of work in equity and inclusion. And finally, we have Benjamin Tinsley, um, who's brand new to the team this year. He's also a French teacher, um, and he has also started uh, working on some curriculum uh, independently as well. That's incredible. So those of you that are looking into the resources and the reviews and the information that Lab puts out, these people that you're listening to, they're qualified. They know what they're talking about. They have a lot of experience. They have a lot of background, a lot of their own experiences they're bringing to the table. So you can trust them. Just wanted, I just wanted to throw that out there because sometimes when people post reviews, you know, they're like, well, who, who is this coming from? And so thankful that Esme gave us an overview of all the members of the team because these people are really invested. They care. They want the best for our students. They want the best for you all as teachers and educators. And so this is a fabulous fabulous group of people that we get to learn from and listen to on advice with our our literature so since you have a team that's a little bigger this year um kind of do you have like monthly goals or what you try to put out each month or um, what teachers can kind of look forward to yeah so each team tries to, so we have i believe 
four teams this year. Uh, we try to pair up or create groups of three. And so we each try to have a review ready to go um, every month to be published. Uh, the good news about the team is that we don't uh, leave like anything unturned. Like we go into like word by word. Um, and so if it, within our review, so for example, if, if there's like a disagreement within the group, we do so much thorough research. It takes so many hours, but that's the kind of stuff that I love anyways. Um, and so one of the, for example, one of the things that we are, are noticing as well is language imperialism. And so this is, um, this is primarily the use of, of English in translation to Spanish, like when there's like a direct translation. And so the argument is, you know, we, we do have, you know, language evolution. And we also have, you know, members of the community itself that are using um, like Spanglish or like a variety of Spanish. And so, so that's kind of where, where we're at. We're trying to figure out um, where we are with that and what best advice to give to, to the authors and the readers. What we're doing right now is we're trying to provide a lot of examples of what we mean with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, there's some expressions that, that make sense in English. And, and we know this because we're language teachers, but sometimes, you know, it happens, we forget. So there's certain expressions that just don't make sense in Spanish that are translated and then used within the readers. Um, and so we try to provide a lot of, well, at least one or two examples of, of why that doesn't work and what could potentially work. Like we're seeing what you're trying to say. Um, and so we are going to then give you examples of that. Um, and so that is one thing that we're trying to like, um, to work on as a team to, to make sure that we are providing um, good information. Um, and so you'll, you should see at least two or three reviews coming out every month as a goal. Um, the, the real goal is four, but because we're doing such a thorough job, um, sometimes we have reviews and we hold them for a couple of months while we're going into research and and then going back and forth with the review. Um, and so you might see uh, two or three instead of four. Um, well, but, as, a, as a teacher who really cares about these things and is trying to educate myself, I appreciate that you guys are taking that time and giving those specific examples. Um, and so I encourage all of the people who are listening to check out the lab website. It's wearellab.org. But what's really neat about it is, and I'm, I've been perusing here too, the more, the more that we've talked to is you can go by, by language. So I just clicked on Spanish because that's what I teach. And then um, there's a picture of the book. There's a little short synopsis and kind of a little overview. But if you click on the book itself, it dives into the detailed reveal, review. And you guys, this information that's included in these reviews, it literally goes over all of those things that, as may mentioned with the rubric, and it tells you what is included, what's not included, if it's not mentioned at all, 
Um, and so these are really powerful tools, you guys, that you need to be taking a look at. Um, and obviously, I know we, you're not going to have time to necessarily read every single book in your library, but that's where you can take advantage of these resources too. This group of people that is focused on this topic of literature, of reviewing it. Um, you can see what they've reviewed. You can look at it. You can make a decision for what's best for you and your students. Um, but this is just incredible. And so I'm so glad that we're able to chat and get the word out here. Um, and so what do you, I guess this might be a, a little bit of a tough question, um, but what do you say to teachers who feel like, well, we've already, we invested all this money in these books and these books are problematic. Like, what should we do? Do you have any advice for them or tips or suggestions? Good question. Um, I think that that serves as a learning opportunity. I think that um, then we can have these conversations in the classroom and say, hey, um, this book um, about that takes place in Haiti and in which has a, a very beautiful and rich and diverse community had this only one person of color, this black character, and he happened to be a slave um, in this entire novel, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about then what does that do to, to these identities? And so um, open dialogue. And I know that sometimes we as teachers try to say, well, we're just focusing on the language, which is something that I've, that I've heard. Uh, but truly, you know, um, you know, as we saw over the course of the year, there's something wrong with our with our communities. You know, if we're not seeing our brothers and sisters as human, or we're seeing them as a danger to society, um, there's something that we have done as a group and that we continue to allow to happen that um, that promotes this, that makes it okay. And so. Um, when we have these types of books that, and maybe we didn't realize, or maybe we just take it as bad, like, well, yes, they were slaves. But once again, like, let's let's push ourselves, and we give a lot of examples in our reviews. Um, you know, why might this be wrong? You know, if, if the only Black character or all the Black characters in our books are slaves or villains or et cetera, that's us you know, saying that our current probably students in our classroom or, you know, um, the African-American mailman or just, you know, that's then how we create this identity about them without really knowing them or without even giving them a variety of, of like personality, which, which we all do uh, or which we all have. And so um, definitely um, making sure that, that we are thinking about that and then opening that conversation with our students. Um, I, I think that even if it's in English, like, hey, um, we've noticed this and it's something that we do need to talk about uh, because it's important. Absolutely, and I love that idea of giving them that context and kind of almost pushing them on a path, obviously as the teacher leading that discussion and kind of leading them down the path um, of 
discovering those things kind of on their own and making their own realizations, because I think that that then strengthens their lens at which they'll be looking at things, their own media that they consume, the own books that they read on their free time, maybe not in the world language classroom. And it just goes to creating that, that stronger, empathetic, um, critical thinking kind of student that will ultimately um, make them a better member of the local and worldwide community in the future as they, as they grow up. So that's really powerful. So what do you recommend to, I was thinking about that, about the being able to provide this extra context and this extra discussion about these books that are, um, might have problematic pieces in them or perpetuate those stereotypes. What do you recommend for people in their free choice reading library? Because if you're not reading that book together as a class or looking at it together, then those students are not getting that context. So what would your recommendation for teachers be then if they see some of these books in their library? That is definitely a tough one. Um, I, and this is just speaking on my behalf, we haven't really had this conversation um, with the group, um, but I would personally take a look at the reviews and um, I would definitely set aside some of those books uh, from my library. Um, and within the class, I, I would also encourage teachers to have that dialogue, like, hey, like when you're, even if you would like to use our rubric or our website, like, hey, like, start to look into these things as well, um, which is great for critical thinking, um, makes, um, it adds another element to reading as well. Um, take a look at these things. Um, and, you know, aside from also the language, start to think about this this character and this worldview um, that you might see. Um, another example also within genders, um, some of the, the women in, in our readers also um, don't have much personality outside of uh, being the love interest or, um, or enjoying shopping. Um, which it's, it's not bad, but if like the majority of your female characters in your books are, you know, just love interests or shopping and there's like nothing else um, to pull from there. That's another thing that we need to think about. Um, and so providing, um, I guess even before introducing them to uh, your FBR library, just saying like, hey, you know, these books uh, were, were purchased over these years. We made a lot of sacrifices to get these books. A lot of teachers do purchase these on their own. And the, the intent has been, you know, for you to acquire the language, which is a great way, maybe even the best way to acquire the language, right? Reading, lots of reading, lots of input. However, I do want you also to, to look into these things and to, to be mindful. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a tough call um, for each teacher. So definitely look at the reviews. Um, some books might have to be pulled from, from FBR. Um, they can also be used for that further conversation. Um, and so um, that's something that we're, we're going to definitely be thinking a lot about 
Um, and then feel free, anybody can reach out to us. Um, we have received feedback, we love feedback, we love interacting with uh, teachers in our audience. Um, and so um, if you do feel like they, you're stuck, especially about like a certain book or topic, um, you could definitely reach out to us. Well, that was a perfect segue into uh, what I was going to ask next, which is um, what are some different ways that people can follow you and stay up to date? Obviously, we mentioned the website. We are LLLAB.org, and I will link that in the put that in the description of the podcast episode so people can easily find that. Um, so outside of your website, um, social media sites or um, any other ways that people can reach out. And if they're interested also in getting involved um, in any way, how can they do that? Yeah, so we are in on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, one of the easiest ways is just going through our website and there is a section under contact in which you can just click on the links. Um, and on our Facebook, um, it's the Language Learner Literature Advisory Board. So the full name, um, you just search us. But once again, the easiest way is definitely through our website. Uh, we also have a Twitter account. And so our Twitter account is lab, L-L-L-A-B-802. And that's our Instagram. Uh, and then we have a Twitter. And our Twitter is also our um, at language uh, Lord or dashboard. Um, and so you can follow us on social media, on our website, uh, or if you also um, click on a section within our blog or our website, it'll send you any through your email, any um, new uh, reviews that come up. Yes. That's awesome. And so, um, in the future, if someone had a passion for this and maybe they didn't know this existed and they wanted to join the board, at what time should they start looking for maybe an opportunity to get involved that way? So we do have an application that typically comes out in the, uh, in the summer. So uh, July 1st is the deadline. We typically have the application out by May. Um, and so then it's due July 1st. Uh, and so then from, from there, um, we are looking for a couple of things. Um, so we do look into like a uh, track record of promoting or supporting and advocating um, own voices, uh, which again, if we look at the title or a lot of our, our readers in our classrooms, uh, most of them are not um, authors of color. And so that's like another thing that we need to look into, like what's what's going on? Why isn't there equity in this piece? Um, who's being you know heard or not, or read or not, et cetera. Um, also track record of working on curriculum, decolonization, uncolonization, integration, dismantling systems of oppression, um, anti-racist teaching. And so um, we do look into um, some experience in uh, we also work with people who, who still also want to learn. Um, and then finally, um, we do meet, uh, we have monthly meetings. And, uh, and so just making sure that you are a person who has the time to then attend these meetings and produce your reviews. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So those are all of the questions that I had for you today, Esme. Are there any other kind of final thoughts or a way you want to end this with an exclamation point for the people who are listening to kind of inspire them and get them fired up to, to take to take more time and care and putting them into the to the literature we bring into our classrooms? Yeah, so, you know, sometimes we just, sometimes we just don't realize what, or we don't know what we don't know. There you go. We don't know what we don't know. And so the best way to then move forward is to um, get together with a group of people that are interested in this type of work. Uh, and lab is a great place. Um, and, and do, you know, um, let's try to do some good. And I think that um, what I have learned is that, you know, and I've heard this, you know, teaching is a political act. Our views um, are later on reflected onto our students and to our society. And so what we need to think about um, a couple of things, like what, what is in my control? What is in my control and what do I influence? So if in my control is the material that I put in front of my students, then how does that look like? Like what, um, what, what will I put in front of my students? What not and why? And then what do you influence? You know, we can tell authors and publishing companies, this is what we're looking into. We are not going to be um, promoting this type of um, idea. And we do want to change. And, you know, we are your, your audience and we want you to listen to us. And so the more that we can create that voice and make that voice louder, uh, the more that we can create change. Um, and of course, if you're a writer um, or if you know that there is um, a person of color who has been interested in writing, but for some reason, they just don't have the resources or the means, you know, work together and try to create um, uh, more equity and more diversity within our readers. Uh, so that at the end of the day, our students are the ones that are going to benefit from this, our society, our community. And so, yes, just um, visit our website and uh, stay in contact. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Esme. It was really a joy to talk to you and to be able to have you share more about this wonderful tool that we need to be taking advantage of. Thank you.